Hi, I'm Meredith Roden, and I'm the host of the Hatchet's weekly podcast, Getting to the Bottom of It, covering the happenings around Foggy Bottom and GW's campus. This week on Getting to the Bottom of It, Shannon Mallard is here to talk about some numbers from the Greek life community. Shannon, what are the trends that we're looking at this year? Uh, so for the Interfraternity uh, Council recruitment, uh, there was a slight decrease between last year and this year in the number of men who participated. So um, in 2019, 224 men rushed, and this year about 190 did. Um, of those 190, 177 were eligible to accept a bid, which is an invitation to join a chapter, and 120 ultimately accepted a bid to join an IFC chapter on campus. So how does this connect to the sorority numbers that we talked about a couple weeks ago? So it's not the most comparable situation because um, a lot of experts I spoke to for a story I worked on a couple of weeks ago about declines in uh, sorority recruitment said that recent events on campus, so like the racist Snapchat from Phi Sigma Sigma, could um, increase student concerns over racism within the sorority community, which could deter students from um, pledging to join a chapter. So if it's not comparable to that, then, then what is causing this decline? Uh, so some Greek life experts I spoke with who are predominantly people who work in a fraternity and sorority life capacity at other universities said that national university enrollment declines just writ large could decrease the um, potential app, um, the potential pool of potential new members who might be interested in joining a fraternity. Um, others said that associations between um, fraternity life and hazing could also deter students from joining um, a fraternity. Uh, particularly, um, I had one expert say that recent high-profile incidents involving hazing, uh, particularly um, Timothy Piazza at Penn State, um, could make some students hesitant to join a fraternity based off a perception that that's the kind of activity that chapters engage in. What are some fraternities looking at as kind of solutions to this? I spoke with someone in particular who said that expanding um, outreach beyond just um, 18 to 22-year-old students and also reaching out to non-traditional members, um, potential members of the Greek life community, whether those are transfer students or students older than 22 years old, um, that could be a way to garner more members. Um, I had a few people say that um, hosting informal recruitment, which is kind of at the discretion of the fraternity to decide whether that would involve just going out for coffee with someone, going to a sports game, just getting to know potential new members, um, that hosting informal recruitment can create a more kind of casual environment where um, potential members can ask current fraternity members um, about Greek life and their experience, and which can make students more comfortable with the notion of pledging a chapter. Well, thanks for the update on Greek life, Shannon. Yeah, absolutely, Meredith. Thank you for having me. This week, we have a big announcement in the food department for GW. Metro editor Leah DeGroat is here to tell us everything about the Western market. So MRP Realty, which is the company that owns the shops at 2000 Penn, has um, been planning a renovation on the inside of the building to add what they're calling Western Market to the building. And it's just going to kind of be a new food hall uh, to the building. So they're going to have a bunch of different vendors where students can come and eat. Um, There's going to be a bunch of different places to eat. There's going to be some food stalls. There's going to be some sit-down restaurants and all that good stuff. Yeah, so what what are the shops that are coming? Yeah, so they haven't confirmed all of the shops that are going to fill up the spaces. Right now they know that Ellie, uh, which is a D.C.-based bakery, 
and kind of espresso cafe has confirmed that they want a space. Mason's Famous Lobster Rolls is also going to be in the space. And then Shook, which is a Middle Eastern restaurant, is also confirmed that they want a space in the restaurant. Are there any more details that you're going to keep an eye out for? Yeah, so I'm going to be keeping an eye out for, obviously, the businesses um, that are going to be announcing. Also, a set opening date. Um, I'm not too sure when they're going to be announcing um, the set time that they're going to unveil Western Market. Um, I also want to know which restaurants are going to be on G World. So, obviously, there are still some shops in 2000 Pen, like Captain Cookie, Bendas, etc. Are they excited about this announcement? Yeah, so we've talked with a couple of business owners uh, who already have space in 2000 Pen, um, and it sounds like they think that Western Market is really going to kind of help business for their shops. So 2000 Pen right now, because it's under construction, they have some scaffolding up. Um, so it looks really strange. Like if you kind of walk through 2000 Pen, it's all kind of boarded up. Um, definitely doesn't look like how it normally looks. And so um, for the most part, they, they're excited um to kind of garner that new business. Uh, we did hear from the manager of Bindas that since their their restaurant's kind of tucked in the corner of 2000 Pen, um, and because that scaffolding is up, they've kind of noticed a little bit of a downtick in customers um, that they hope will, they'll kind of gain back when the construction is complete. Uh, but for the most part, it's a pretty positive response from the existing business owners. Something that the university administration has been focused on is adding more community space. So is that something that's going to be available here? Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like they're going to be adding some open seating in the hall for people to kind of bring their food um, and eat and take a break from work or whatever. Um, And they're going to be adding that both inside and outside of the building. So when the weather's nice, students can kind of take a break outside and sit. Well, thanks, Leah. Thanks, Meredith. This week on the culture segment, we're talking with Sydney about DIY concerts. So first of all, some people have never heard of DIY concerts. What exactly is a DIY concert? So a DIY concert is basically there's this huge underground network of people who know each other through one another, and they're little concert venues that bands can book to play at. Normally they're in places like basements or warehouses, and they're kind of like off the grid. Um, You get invited by knowing someone. It's not like a public event. And they're all no profit. So this appears to be kind of like a trend on GW's campus. And I know that you looked into a new venue. Yeah, Mystery Inc. was started a few years ago when student George Bowles and their roommates bought house, or not bought house, they rented a house off campus their junior year of GW. So they rented this house off campus, it had a huge basement, it was next to this empty construction lot, and they thought this is the perfect place to open up a DIY concert venue. So they've been hosting concerts in their basement for about two years now. So is George uh, and their roommates, are, are they musicians? Uh, Some of them are. So one of the roommates, Rob Klein, who is a graduate student at GW, has been playing music since they're very young. Um, But they all just love the culture of the music scene. So what are the kinds of shows that have been playing there and what what is the scene like? So they have a lot of local bands, some student bands, some DC-based bands, but then they also have traveling bands that come from cities as far as Atlanta and Nashville, Austin, they even mentioned, and Connecticut. So they book, the bands reach out to them about two months in advance through their Facebook page, and they say, hey, we want to play at your venue, can we book a time? And they basically have about three to four bands play every weekend at their house. The, the students are obviously like very well connected within 
the music community. So what kind of inspired them to create this? Well, George was saying that a big reason why they got into the DIY scene is because of a lot of the gatekeeping that's involved in more traditional venues where you have to pay a lot of money. So they want to welcome a lot of people from marginalized communities, for example, people of color or queer people, where it's a safe space that they can all perform and they don't have to go through all of those gatekeeping things to play at places like the 930 Club, for example. I know that you said that this genre of concert is like more DIY, so they're they're nonprofit. What exactly does that mean? So for Mystery Inc. in particular, they ask for a five dollar donation at the door of any guest that is coming into their house. Obviously it's a donation, so you don't have to pay. But if you do, all of that money at the end of the night goes to the bands that we're playing, um, particularly like the traveling bands that came from long distances will get a lot of those donations because they have to pay for gas or they don't have a place to stay in D.C. for the night so they can pay for a hotel room. Um, but George also said that they and their roommates will host the bands in their house that night. So if they don't have a place to sleep, then they just crash at their house. So it's really awesome. Who is like the biggest band that they've gotten or the most well-known music group? Um, I'm not sure exactly about, like, mainstream music groups that, like, you might have heard of, but they've had a lot of students, um, play, like, The Avenues, uh, have played there, and just, like, connections that they've made from places like Atlanta, they're at a concert in Atlanta, and they said that they met some people, and then they contacted them later and said, hey, like, we're gonna come to D.C., can we play at your venue? So, it's really cool, all the people that they've met through this DIY spiderweb if you will well thanks sydney for sharing what this experience is like yeah thank you for having me that's all for this week getting to the bottom of it is hosted by meredith roten and features culture editor sydney lee this podcast is produced by podcast host meredith roten music is produced by Oak studio 